0: I'm Tom Kerr. There's a heightened awareness in our industry on how psychosocial factors impact an injured employee's recovery. But what's the best way to approach and address these issues? In the fourth and final installment of our Mental Health and Comp podcast series, we ask Nikki Wilson and Tammy Bradley to share some best practices. So let's start with the first question, Tammy, how do we best support injured employees who have a mental health issue impacting their recovery?
1: You know, treatment for mental health conditions such as stress, anxiety, depression, are typically addressed with psychotherapy, medication, or a combination of both. The most common therapy utilized is CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy or Sometimes people call it talk therapy. There's no real tried and true approach. Sometimes one works for one person and doesn't work for another. Sometimes it's a combination of both psychotherapy as well as medication. Just like with a physical injury, treatment guidelines do exist for mental health diagnoses as well. And I know there's a lot of concern oftentimes in the industry that once they accept a a mental health diagnosis, that the treatment will be ongoing forever and ever and there's never an ending. And I do encourage people to use the guidelines to help them, you know, manage these type cases, setting reserves, identifying the most appropriate treatment modalities, and establishing clear goals for return to work. Because if you look at the guideline, an average duration for depression is around 68 days, best practice 23 days, max 88 days. If treatment, the guidelines tell you, well, typically somewhere between 13 to 20 individual sessions, and if it's a major depressive disorder, it could be more, perhaps up to even 50. And it even gives you ideas around your claim cost for both, from both a medical and indemnity Perspective. So from a clinical perspective, you know, when you're dealing with a mental health diagnosis, it's critical to have these guidelines and to understand the guidelines and to use them in your case planning for claim handlers to use them in their reserve setting and really help guide that conversation of realistic expectations with not only that injured employee, but with their, the treating provider for the condition as well. And that brings me to my next point. Having access to good mental health providers in your work comp network is really also critical. You want to be able to act behavioral health specialty network and find those providers quickly. You want to make sure within that whole behavioral health, mental health ring that you've identified and you have access to all the specialties: psychiatry, psychology, a counselor, therapist. And you want to make sure that they're properly credentialed and they have experience in the type of condition that you're dealing with. For instance, PTSD is a great example. You wouldn't wanna refer someone just to any old psychologist or psychiatrist out there for treatment of PTSD. You want to look for someone who has that particular specialty and, and has been working with those patients and hopefully has achieve some positive outcomes. I encourage people when you are seeking and looking for mental health treating providers that you really do a good job screening them and you consider asking them some additional questions. Not only what experience do they have treating someone with this issue, but you wanna know, have they ever treated anyone that was covered under workers' compensation? Because it's a little bit different. Uh, than the healthcare world. You can find someone that has that experience, that understands not just about treatment, but it's also about addressing uh, return-to-work issues and working with a team of people to facilitate that recovery and return-to-work. You really want to do a, a proper job screening these providers before you make a referral over to them.
0: And Nikki, what about pharmaceuticals? Are they becoming a greater part of the treatment plan when it comes to addressing psychosocial factors in comp cases?
2: So today, I can tell you that any psychotropic medication is still really a relatively small portion of most workers' comp books of business as far as utilization goes, but they are a useful tool in specific conditions that can get that ill-injured worker on the path to return to work and return to function. And it's... As we've been discussing, it's something that sometimes needs to be vetted out. And the earlier we can get in front of any of those mental health issues, whether it be through psychotherapy or through medication and psychotherapy, uh, what have you, the better the outcomes are. We know statistically that in general, in the general population, without even a major life event, up to one in five adults experience mental illness each year. So it's something that we have to be looking for and to understand that that prevalence is often interwoven into other diagnoses like pain. There's a cyclical relationship between an injury and the pain that patient might experience, uh, as well as some of those psychologic factors that can come into play. So things like my pain is leading me not to be active, which is making me very depressed, I've been out of work, um, my depression makes me not sleep at night, so does the pain, and so I don't get good sleep, which leads to worse pain, which leads to worse depression. It can be really difficult to vet out and separate those, and there's definitely no measure for those types of diagnoses. Much like pain, it's a subjective measure, so we we really have to look to see what we can best apply to help that, that ill or injured worker kind of get back on their feet. So certainly a concern that I'm very aware of in our industry is over coverage for psych, if one of those meds does show up. Um, so something for an antidepressant or um, an anti-anxiety medication, there's definitely a stigma out there. And I know that adjusters and payers are often hesitant to cover some of those meds because they, they can be tricky as well. They may not work the first time, there has to be you know titration over many weeks, it's difficult to measure the outcome, we can't make a lab test show us that that person has uh, resolving uh, mental health issues being addressed by their medication. So it can be very, very tricky. And I think some of the things that I would say as far as recommendation is that we, you know we know now that because of this interconnectedness of an injury and often a mental health issue and that biopsychosocial approach to helping that full patient we know that our outcomes can actually be improved if we're addressing everything that's on board. If we're going to look at putting a psych medication as part of a claim, um, what I would recommend is to look to the guidelines and see what evidence-based recommendations tell us as far as what can we expect for how long this person will need this treatment. Um, is there a way that we can put guidelines and guidance or guide rails around how long we're going to cover that if it's connected to an injury or a life event? Make it clear define it out. Make sure everybody's on board. Work with that provider. Focus again on the positives and returning to work and returning to function, not just treating indefinitely by throwing a medication at something. Not treating those conditions could in fact delay the claim, uh, which we know very well. So again, it's just, it's, it's looking at sort of that whole patient, figuring out how we can use guidelines to support our overall recovery plan, there's an educational piece not only with adjusters on how that pharmaceutical can help influence return to work, uh, but also the patient themselves. We can apply drug formularies and do some other things um, that that could help put some guardrails on either end of this on the front end. But in general, uh, you know, one of the big approaches I think is talking to that injured worker themselves, and this is a great place where clinician engagement for oversight, education, and coordination can really benefit a claim. So. For example, having a case manager, educating that patient on what to expect with treatment, educating the adjuster on what to expect with treatment, and then watching for things like compliance with the medication and navigating some of the the trickiness that is mental health uh, pharmaceutical management. Those can all really, really benefit outcomes.
0: That leads us to our last question here. Tammy, can you talk about the roles case managers play in supporting injured workers with psychosocial issues?
1: Sure, Tom, and you know, when you think about it, we all have psychosocial issues, right? It's not just an injured worker, it's not just the person next door. We all have day-to-day issues that we deal with, but certainly case managers play a critical role in really just supporting that injured employee in their overall recovery and return to work, not just by coordinating care in a timely manner, getting them to the right doctor, but really offering emotional support and education. The mere fact of letting them know that their anxiety is normal, you know, helping them to have a better understanding of their treatment plan, what their options are, what to expect if they're gonna have a surgery, understanding that a little pain is normal in the recovery process, particularly as they get back to physical-type activities, it's so critical that we keep that injured employee engaged in their recovery so that they feel a true level of ownership and control and are knowledgeable enough to make informed decisions. You know, and we can do this through a number of different ways. Certainly, you know, conversations, coaching conversations, but also by providing them with access to accredited healthcare education tools in the form of print or video that will allow the case manager to have an ongoing conversation with them, share information with them at a level that they can understand. Cause oftentimes what we hear in the doctor's office goes right over our head. All we hear is surgery, you know, there are no options. We don't really understand what the surgery entails, what the recovery process is. And that case manager is really key to that education piece and using tools uh, to assist in that conversation and support the information is really critical. Engagement requires an ongoing, two-way, meaningful conversation, and it's about planning, goal-setting, and follow-up. It sounds so simple, but it really is, I like to say, kind of the secret sauce um, that makes things happen. There are also apps out there, self-help apps, that are available now for the uh, injured employee population, that allow them a more self-directed approach to support the case management process, of giving them activities to perform on a daily basis from their home, and again, allowing them and the case manager to have follow-up conversation, track their progress, and really provide that cognitive behavioral reinforcement that really encourages that injured employee to keep moving forward and, and focusing on the positive versus the negative.
0: And that does it for our Mental Health and Comp podcast series. I'd like to thank our experts, Tammy Bradley, Mary Ellen Blue, and Nikki Wilson for sharing their wisdom. I hope you've all gained a greater understanding of why it's so important to treat the whole individual following a workplace injury. For much more on this topic and best practice strategies, check out the ebook, Strategies for Combating Mental Health Challenges in Injured Employees. And as always, thanks for listening.